Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is A Lot To Learn with Austin Rogers. For the guy who knows everything, he's still got a lot to learn. Without further ado, here's Austin. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good night. Uh, today is an interesting one because we are with Mr. Peter Costanzo, who has the privilege or burden of having created the most important and the most famous Twitter account of all time. Peter, what did you create? Well, Austin, I created at real Donald Trump. The at real Donald Trump. The at real Donald Trump. All right. Before we get into the ramifications of this literally world-shattering Twitter account, <laughs> how how did you get? Uh, currently, Peter is actually with the Associated Press. He is not a reporter. He's on the business side, so this is not a reporter kind of interview. But he is the man who created the at real Donald Trump account, and we're going to talk about that. Starting with, how do you where 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 did this come from? Where, how did you? How were you tasked to create Donald Trump's Twitter account years and years before it has come to its current heady head? Well, that's the thing. It was years and years before. It was back in 2009. So this was back when Donald Trump was a, a very, very popular reality TV star with The Apprentice and The Celebrity Apprentice. So when I was working with him to create this Twitter account, it was because I was working for a publishing company, and we were publishing a book called Think Like a Champion by mm -hmm. Donald Trump. Aha! Aha. There we go. So what happened was, as an online marketing director for this publishing company, um, we would go to Trump Tower, we'd meet with the Trump team, and at some point they started asking questions like, hey, what can we do differently for Mr. Trump that's never been done before? Right, and you're on the marketing side of this publishing arm and you go, oh, well, here we go. I think you need a Twitter account. Right, because that's that was my job. As as the Think about it. As the marketing guy for a publishing company, and I was the marketing director for 11 separate publishing companies and 300 independent publishers that we were we were distributing so it, it was a lot of companies that i was asked to come up with creative ideas for this was special i mean this was a celebrity this was donald trump and we wanted this book to be a success so when i was asked what can we do I had to, you know, naturally think of whatever was right before me that was the newest and most cutting edge thing. Right. And at the time, Twitter was pretty new. People forget that. And it was only when, in my opinion, when David Pogue wrote an article in the New York Times. David Pogue, technology uh, reporter for yeah, the New York, New York Times. Times, yes. He wrote an article that basically attempted to explain what Twitter was to everybody. I do not remember this exact article, but I remember the zeitgeist of the time, which was like, I don't get it. Right. I don't, I get, don't it. get it. What's a hashtag? 140, 140 <laughs> what's a character? Yeah, Is that 140 words? <laughs> I've already got Facebook, and that I just write what I want. Why do I need this other thing? Exactly. What's the benefit of this other thing? What, what can I do with it? So um, David Pogue, you know, being someone who's pretty forward thinking back then, he wrote this article that really, in my opinion, helped get the average person to start paying attention to Twitter, and it, it began to explode from there. Right, because, again, we didn't really grasp what it was for, and I don't think Twitter knew what it was for back then, uh, because I remember, I, I don't remember when I signed up for my account, but I signed up and basically forgot about it, because I'd just be like, uh, you know, wow, it's rainy out. Because <laughs> what else can you say in 140 characters? Right. Oops, oops! I dropped a slice of pizza, and that's sort of what Twitter was doing. I'm like, what's the, what the heck is the point of this thing? Yeah, unless uh, unless unless you had 
a real definitive message that you wanted to get out there. And now you've got a message. Right. You got a book to sell. Right, exactly. Okay, so you literally, you are the one who put the keystrokes on board? So what happened was, um, just to go back a little bit and give context. Please. Um, I went and looked at Twitter and I looked at Facebook and realized that there was actually an imposter on both of those social media platforms who was very convincingly acting like Donald Trump. And what's really weird is that you would think that if someone were to take the time to do that, that they were going to try and be um, undermining that person's personality. Right. But instead, they were, oddly enough, very accurately making believe that they were Donald Trump. And after every episode of the celebrity apprentice they would, they would tweet go it. on there and tweet about it and talk about it on facebook in a way that made you feel like uh th that they were clearly a fan right which uh, is which is twitter well and and for the person who was duped by this uh bogus account thinking what twitter is for engaging on a one-on-one -on -one, because when you're reading someone's tweet you feel entry into their life. You don't feel it's pedantic. You don't feel it's top down. You don't feel it's sponsored content on like a Facebook page. It's like, oh, Chrissy Teigen literally made a terrible lasagna. Wow, I feel like I know Chrissy Teigen. So this imposter's account was so convincing. Wow, I feel like this is not a feel. People watching it were like, this is Donald Trump. So much so that on Facebook, that imposter had about 200,000 fans bingo right and now you've got to sell a book right and twitter was so new that that didn't have that many followers at the time but it was still an issue because if i wanted to put donald trump on facebook as his publisher or twitter i had to resolve that problem first correct so luckily um through a friend i had a contact at facebook and we were able to contact them and say hey the actual donald trump wants to be on facebook what can we do here? And as soon as they heard that, they gave us the the Facebook, you know, uh, special Facebook.com slash Donald Trump handle. Yep. And they transferred all those 200,000 people to our account. You got off the ground running. Right. So no, nobody knew that there was that change. Oh, my God. It was a seamless transition. Seamless and transition. also the voice of the bogus actor was so convincing that there's no reason to go through and purge them <laughs> because they were they were towing the party line. Exactly. We never actually publicly said, hey, everyone, you've been following an imposter and now here's the real guy. <sighs> but that was with Facebook. What about right. Twitter? So Why Twitter, is he real Donald Trump right. and not just Donald J. Trump? Good question. So with Twitter, it was so new that nobody even knew who to contact over there. Trump's people were his lawyers, were trying to like contact someone, send letters, you know, cease and desist. None of it was successful because they didn't know what to do. And this was way before Twitter had its verification process. Right. That little check. Blue check. Blue check. I got a blue check. Right, you have a blue check. Well, you're Austin Rogers. So <laughs> they did not yet have that in place either. So as far as they knew, they probably thought this was actually Donald Trump using Twitter. So what happened was I was explaining to the team this challenge, how we, how I felt we could come over it. And um, they said, okay, Peter, well, you're going to have to tell Mr. Trump that yourself. Because if you're saying that... Um, that he needs to be involved because that's really the key to social media, right? Yes. Authenticity. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even in your Twitter account, yeah. I'm sure people feel really great that they feel like it's you yeah, yeah. talking to them about what It's me issue. on my phone. Right. It's not some maven doing it for me. Right. Because I said to them, look, I think I could resolve this issue. We can get it done. I said, and I'm happy to do some tweeting on behalf of Mr. Trump because a lot of celebrities had someone who did that for them. I said, but on some level, he needs to be involved. So they said, okay, well, we want you to tell him that. So they set up what they described as what would be a seven-minute meeting on his calendar. And about a week later, I went to Trump Tower to meet Donald Trump face-to-face -face and explain to him what Twitter was, what Facebook was, and uh, what I wanted to do from a marketing standpoint. Yeah. Now, did this hit on deaf ears or was it immediately enthusiasm or was it tell me more? It was not on deaf ears. In fact, um, the team there was very excited about the idea of, 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 
of how social media could directly communicate to people. And when I got in the room, which was which was like the, uh, the 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 meeting room that you saw the Apprentice where they fire people. Yes, this was the actual conference room. <laughs> That's they not had, intimidating at all. Right. From what I understand, they had a reproduction version of it in L.A., um, but this was the actual room. And, and and one of the funny things was there was always this life size cutout of Donald Trump in the room. Uh, so you felt like he was there even when he wasn't. Now this makes sense because you're, you and his team are addressing him from the perspective of a reality television star and producer. There we go. So yeah. I would immediately see why the light bulbs go off, be like, oh, this is how I talk to my audience and grow the brand, so to speak. Right. And so um, when I told them, though, that we had this imposter issue and that, that their legal team already informed me that they weren't able to resolve it, uh, Donald Trump you know, looked at me and the team and he said, so what are we going to do? And I said, well, because our book is coming out imminently, I think it was like two or three weeks from publication. I said, well, I have an idea. I said, let's call you real Donald Trump. You're the real guy, the real deal. I think we should go with that. And he thought about it for you know, like 30 seconds and he slammed the table. He said, I like it. Let's do it. And there is real Donald Trump and right there. there. Right there. Uh, okay, so who's the one who went into Twitter and actually typed for the very first time at real Donald Trump, hit enter, put up a password, put up a profile picture. That was me. <laughs> so I took the, his favorite photo is the one you still see on that account. Yep. It's, it was the cover of the book, actually. Yep. That was the image. And so I uploaded the photo. I created the, the login. And um, and I I posted the first tweet, which, if I'm not mistaken, uh, was about an appearance on David Letterman of a fourth coming. Donald Trump doing a top 10 list. You, oh, this is, this is literally mind blowing that you hit enter on at real Donald Trump and posted the very first tweet on, not arguably, literally the world's most powerful Twitter account. Which of course nobody knew at the time. Well, how, how, <laughs> how could you, how could you know? Um, and I think this is a perfect, I mean, that little bit of, uh, that little bit of backstory alone is completely fascinating. Now let's get into it. Like when everything started spooling up, when the when the uh, election campaign turned from like, oh, he's doing it again to wait to, oh my God, what goes through your head? You're like, like what was it? Uh, Samuel Morse, the first Morse code message ever was, what hath God wrought, wrought or something like that, right? What's going through your head when you see this Twitter account literally swaying markets? Well, I mean, obviously for me, it was interesting to watch because I had managed the account for a year. And so that first year in 2009, I was doing very, what you could call benign things with it. You know, I was being promotional. I was being mar marketable with, with the book, but these were, you know, by contrast, you could you could call them pretty innocent in terms of the messages, right? Because back then the messaging coming either from the publisher or coming from Donald Trump were things like, "Hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving," right? You know? Right, right, or right. It was, hey, you know, uh, there was something about the Super Bowl that year and whatever team it was, and we we tie into the champion, the whole champions, the think like a champion title. So, Two thousand nine was uh, the Giants, wasn't it? I don't remember. Yeah, but. Um, but we'd say something like, you know, terrific champions and, you know, just whatever, you know, from a marketing standpoint, try to tie in to the book as much as possible. Inspirational quotes, things like that. Um, and by the way, that conk before that you heard on the microphone was my cup hitting the uh, microphones. So <laughs> that was my teacup hitting. Um, but anyway, so, um, so that, that was really the thing. And, and what happened was someone at Politico decided to start comparing the early tweets to the tweets that you're describing that started to really catch fire. And I think most people would agree that people really started to pay attention to those tweets with the birther uh, tweets yes. that Donald Trump started. Yes. That's all about Obama. That's when I think people saw what they considered a sea change in the tone of it. So Politico 
somebody there decided to look at the current tweets that were happening um, for, from his political point of view to those early tweets and literally wrote an article that said, you know, what, what's happening here? Who, who was doing this in the beginning? Who's doing it now? Because clearly there's a difference. And now we know the answer. Right. So what happened You were was, doing it. Yes. There were a few people here at the AP, a very small amount of people here at the AP that knew about this story about me and Trump's Twitter account. And so what happened was um, I went to one of those people. They happened to be the head of our PR department at the time. And I said, hey, isn't this funny? This guy from Politico is talking about me. But of course, he has no idea. So I said, do you think I should reach out to him? You know, maybe it'd be good for the AP if I reached out to him and revealed that it was me. And he said, you know, actually, I think our people at the AP would be interested to talk to you about this. I'm yeah. I'm kick it down to, to D.C. and see what they think. So our uh, White House correspondent, Julie Pace, eventually she called me and she said, oh, my God, I need to talk to you. <laughs> I want to talk to you about this. And um, she she interviewed me about how it all happened. And then nothing, you know, nothing came out from the AP for a while. And right. I thought, okay, maybe they decided we're not going to go with the story. After Were they all. doing a deep dig? I mean, who knows? I, I had no idea. I used to work at NBC News as well. And I know that stories sometimes just got canned. Mm -hmm. Never saw the light of day. So I thought maybe that's what happened. Until Memorial Day weekend. Suddenly my phone was exploding. Right. And I realized, okay, something's happening here. And I went and sure enough, there it was an article uh, from the AP about me saying something like, you know, meet the man who created Donald Trump's Twitter account. And so that goes global. When something goes goes out on the AP wire, it's global. So I was getting messages from all parts of the world, uh, positive and negative, and uh, that's how I ended up on, say, Fox and Friends the very next morning, <laughs> which was a whirlwind, um, talking about how it all happened. Uh, in the interest of disclosure, I am currently working with the Associated Press in a creative capacity, but this is neither in any of those realms. Peter and I do know each other through that capacity, but this is completely irrelevant to that. Just want everyone to know in what the Associated Press would probably really like to be noted because this is the Associated Press and they are the absolute arbiter of journalistic integrity. Um, yeah, so... It comes out that you've created it, and all of a sudden, it's going like wildfire that you've done it. Did someone find the clear demarcation between this is when the reins were let go, and this is where, like, when did the phone go from your keyboard to his hands? That I can't tell you specifically, because when I gave it up, it was definitely still now being run by somebody else. So I had moved on from that publishing company, and I basically handed the keys to whoever they told me to who was going to manage his account at that right. time. Uh, however, they did keep me on as a backup administrator in case for some reason something went haywire. They, they, they kind of trusted me because I had proved to them that I, at the time, was looking out for Mr. Trump's best interests right. when it came to uh, promoting his book. So, for example, um, I really helped them understand that we didn't have to just promote the book. We could talk about anything having to do with the Trump organization. Yep. So all of a sudden, their wheels started turning. Yep. So if there was a new golf course yep. you know, opening, if Ivanka had a new jewelry line, if um, if they had something to do with Trump University, which, as we know, became a very controversial thing in itself later on, um, all of these things were being thrown my way. And I was tweeting them if they wanted me to. Right. Uh, same thing on Facebook. So both of those were actually happening simultaneously. simultaneously. So it was a, the transition was a little nebulous when it when it started filtering from just the sheer marketing endeavor to cross marketing to now a personal mouthpiece. Right. And that's the key. I think you, you hit on it right there. When they realized or particularly when Donald Trump realized that Twitter was that very quick, easy burst of, of thoughts that he would have at any moment, he obviously gravitated more towards that. Right. And at some point, 
um, he must have felt comfortable enough using either a BlackBerry or eventually an iPhone to do some of these tweets himself. He does still have someone who does handle some of his tweeting and other social media. Plus, they had, you know, 60 Minutes did that profile on their their uh, online marketing campaign guy. I forget his name at the moment. Uh, very interesting guy with a beard and everything. Um, he's the guy who really brilliantly figured out how to use the ads and things like that. He's the one who revealed that people from Facebook embedded themselves at the Trump camp to help with their campaign. They offered to do the same thing for Hillary Clinton. Um, you know, it's a very, very interesting thing to learn just how you, the power of these tools and how they can be used. And obviously, um, that authenticity that I was pointing out to them was necessary from the beginning. I think Donald Trump really capitalized on that in a big way. Like you said earlier, he made people feel like he was talking directly to them about their concerns and about whatever was on his mind. He made it clear there was no filter. And that was really appealing. No one had ever seen a politician behave like that before. Right, right. Because there's all politicians are always guarded and couching their language in, you know, real politic where you got to be like, I want to get across what I'm trying to say, but I can't say it the exact way I want to say it because it comes off as controversial or gauche or self-promoting. Now flip the coin with the world's largest self-promoter then it's no longer gauche or controversial. It is, this is this is the mouth. And this is who he is. Yeah. Right? Whether you like it or not. And, and so when people were baffled as to how this was appealing, you know, for a certain sector of the country, it was also kind of refreshing to hear someone say, um, yeah, I, I exploit the tax codes. You know, why not? I'm a businessman. I, I, you know, I exploited everything I could. What politician, you know, would it even think to say something like that? Right, and it, and it taps into, uh, you know, the underlying current of dissatisfaction that was going on through the middle of the country that no one, you know, flyover states and blue state liberals and the Beltway, no one, it can't be that bad. They can't really be, you know, this hungry for this kind of borderline demagoguery. Uh, but turns out, everyone everyone maybe like a few people were right but almost everyone was wrong that actually the country was hungry for this kind of political discourse yeah i mean listen no matter where you are on the political spectrum you cannot look at what occurred and not recognize the power of how donald trump and his team used these tools they used them probably in the most effective way anybody has. I mean, up until then, Obama used them pretty effectively. Very right? effectively. And, and and people thought that that was the most cutting-edge way that that's ever been used. I think the difference is uh, uh, Donald Trump took it to another level, and um, and, and the frequency of it was yes you, you know unprecedented compared yes. to anybody else yes because typically you know the typical let's just say corporate twitter account uh they're probably operating on something like tweet deck or something like that where uh on thursday at 4 p.m we say this and it's been written three weeks in advance it's not the knee-jerk reactionary where you're like this thing's happening right now i'm talking about it right now which is actually the use case of twitter because I don't know about your Twitter usage, but I I tweet fun things, but I don't I don't interact with Twitter. I read Twitter for Notre Dame is on fire. I go straight to Twitter to find all my news feeds, see what the AP is saying, see what the BBC is saying, you know, and then I find my news through Twitter. And if someone texts me like, "Did you hear about this thing in XYZ?" I go, "No, I haven't." I open up Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't open up cnn.com uh i open up twitter and now i've got all of my different news sources all laid out there so that i could see what's happening in real time uh and that's how donald trump operates in real time there are no scheduled tweets he's not like 3 30 p.m on uh wednesday afternoon talk about you know the national bowl game championship it's Right. Although I would argue there's probably still a little bit of that. Yeah. But those are the ones that are not being done by Donald Trump. Those are the ones that are probably still being done by his social media person. Right. The White House wishes yeah. you a, a merry X, Y, Z yeah, or, or a happy like blah, blah, blah. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
even way back when, when people were surprised to hear, oh, you were tweeting? It wasn't really Donald Trump. I would point out to them almost every celebrity, particularly at the beginning of Twitter, mm-hmm. had somebody like me doing tweets for them, whether it was a sports figure or another politician or whatever. It wasn't really that common unless it was uh, um, that young guy who had a million followers. What's his name? Kutcher. Yes. Ashton Kutcher. Yes. Ah, yes. He was the... tweeting himself. Yes. He was one of the first people really obviously doing it himself. Taking taking control of the reins rather right. than but having your were, social media. If you were, you know, you, you know, a big celebrity with a busy schedule or whatever, um, you might have done a little bit of tweeting, but a lot of what you're tweeting, uh, the, the the things that were being said were probably done by a handler. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that is clearly, you know, when um, I'm trying to think of a, there was a famous... I can't think of ex- exact example, but when like someone tries to uh, fake uh, g- uh, genuineness, uh, when and 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 it turns out that it was all a ruse, it was all a marketing ploy, it was all uh, it was the Blair Witch, right? Oh, the Blair Witch! Oh, it's no, no, no! It was all a marketing ploy. That that website made up for the Blair Witch project was a website made by the film's producers to get word out about this indie little movie, and then people are automatically immediately turned off. I mean, I think the body politic or the the um, the pop culture person smells it when it's disingenuous yeah unless all that is part of like a transmedia effort to you know give you some kind of an experience which i think is a whole different thing and that can be kind of cool when you when you combine like things that are made up and things that are real and it's navigating you through like a story for example sure but but in this case yes when you think that you're supposed to be communicating or hearing directly from someone that you're you either admire or you're tracking what they're doing or whatever it is you, you want the authenticity yeah whether whether it's uncomfortable or not so um that's why i think there there are people who, who stare at what happened or watched uh, what occurred um, by, by then candidate Trump and some people were aghast and some people were saying, yeah, yeah, go for it. Do more of that. Do more. And um, and naturally, he's still using it. Yeah. You know, very effectively. And what's interesting is he didn't switch over to at POTUS. No, because Obama blew the POTUS account up. Well, but he... I think he also prefers the real Donald Trump handle to at POTUS. Right. I, I, you know, because he could have easily have dropped that. And once Twitter knew that the actual Donald Trump was using Twitter, they could have easily given him the handle at Donald Trump or at Donald G, J Trump, and he could have used that, but he never changed it. He kept to this day at real Donald Trump. That is. In a sort of bizarre way, I can't, I'm not a psychologist, I can't read into it, but that is someone who's more uh, expert on this field, there's something to that, isn't there, in that he did not, he wantonly avoided the trappings of the POTUS account, and he also said, no, 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 I am the real Donald Trump, I don't need Donald J. Trump or Donald Trump or D Trump or whatever. He kept the same one. There, there's something deep in there, right there. Maybe. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or, or maybe not. Or, or maybe, maybe they just felt like why, why, why change horses change midstream? Horses, right? Yeah. Midstream and, and maybe interrupt the momentum because clearly there's a tremendous amount of momentum. Right. And, and like I said, you know, people focused so much on Twitter, but we had just as much momentum happening on Facebook, and um, and you know. I I also did an interview with Donald Trump. um, Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. YouTube. So shortly after, like I said earlier, I think I kind of gained the confidence of his team, uh, which were all very pleasant to work with, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And it was a good experience. Um, I had asked because because once you know once once something starts to happen and people get excited then they they always ask you what do we do next so I said well there's YouTube and I told them I said I would love to sit down with Mr. Trump and talk to him about the book if he'd be willing to do that and they said oh absolutely we'll arrange it so I found myself back at Trump Tower and um, I was talking to him basically the way you and I are except it was being filmed and we talked for about a half an hour but we whittled it down to two and a half minutes at the most. And when it was all done um, and we were, you know, closing up shop and and everything, uh, I asked him because this was shortly after Obama had just won the election. I asked him, I said, so what do you think about, uh, about uh, Barack Obama? And he said, well, he seems like a good family man, seems like a good guy. Uh, He said, well, you know, my only thing is I hope he can really do something about the economy. I said, oh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see. And he said, well, you know, if he doesn't, I'm thinking of running for president. Oh, my God. You now, heard that, right. too. And, and, and I didn't think anything of it, you know. But and, and one of the reasons is because when we would have meetings with his team, they would also talk about it. They would say, well, everything we do, they were saying, uh, is really important from here on out because at some point Mr. Trump is seriously thinking about running again for president because people forget. Yeah, yeah, he had he, run yeah, in the uh, late before. 90s yeah. and 2000, I think. It was the 2000 election. I think it was an early entry yeah, in that he, one. And, and if I remember correctly, he didn't run as a Republican. I think he ran for an independent party. I might be mistaken, so you could fact check me on that. But um, uh, So it wasn't the first time, but this time he was, according to his team, he was seriously really thinking about it. And so that's why to them... It was very important. So if I did a tweet, I don't want to give the impression that I was just tweeting on my own on his behalf. I did have to submit it to the team for approval. And there were times where uh, I would say to them, listen, this should be a tweet from Mr. Trump. So I want to phrase it as if it's coming from him. And we'll say like from Donald Trump colon or something like that. And I was and that I was told was put in front of him. Like his eyes right. would see those and he had to say yay or nay, whether or not if it was particularly coming from him. If it was just a general thing, um, the team had to approve it. But, you know, after a while, they they would pretty much say yes to almost anything I was coming up with because they knew my intention was to do good for, for him and for, for the book. And I wanted it to be a bestseller. And guess what? It was. It was. It made the New York Times Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, yeah. That mission was my job. Mission accomplished, but, yeah. Um, so now we got into the, 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 actually, I think you just touched upon it, how the political discourse is so now almost, it's a marketing campaign. And, and I, what's the future for future politicians like right now we see uh aoc she's owning twitter right and instagram and instagram yep she she gets it what what befalls the politician who doesn't get it well here's the thing um and even aoc would say this and i've seen her say it and she's absolutely right she's told people don't even buy you know particularly older politicians that she interacts with on the Democratic Party. She'll tell them, don't even bother trying to do this unless you're comfortable with it. You're native to it. Yeah, and unless you really have something authentic to say. Because when she's showing herself eating ice cream and enjoying it, and she's curled up or whatever that image is, that's really her. Well, because she just was doing that a year and a half ago, and that was probably what her Instagram looked like a year and a half ago. Just had ice cream from a cool place, curling up with the cat now, right? Right. 
So, you know, her advice to whoever it might be who's asking her, oh, how can I be more like you or whatever, that's already kind of a, to me, a loaded question. It's like when I was a, a publicity head for a bookstore, independent bookstore, many, many, many years ago, and I would, I would see authors who would come and people would ask them, how do you write? You know, do you use a typewriter? Do you use a pen? Do you use a computer? Thinking that if the answer is I use a computer, that person thinks, well, maybe I should use a computer. Then maybe I would write better. If you have to ask that question, most likely you're not going to be a writer. A writer writes. You, Got it. you have the passion. You don't need to be told. You'll find your way to do it. If you're a musician, if you want to play guitar, no one has to tell you to practice. You're going to pick up that guitar and you're going to do it over and over and over again. And I, I say that as a guitar player <laughs> who for many, many years as a young person played my, my brains out and that's all I did. No one ever had to tell me or encourage me to, to practice. That's the difference of when somebody wants to do something. So... The reason why AOC resonates is because she is being her real self. Yeah. People know it. They don't have to try and interpret it. They don't have to question it. And so anybody, it, let's put it this way. It would be better for a politician not to go down that road at all if they can't figure out how to be authentic than to try and be. Because like you said, right. people snuff that out immediately right. and it'll only backfire. Right. It, 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 uh, Orin Hatch can't go hashtag YOLO, you know? <laughs> Cut, caught some, caught some, uh, caught some wicked, uh, caught some wicked pow pow in uh, Provo. Hashtag YOLO. <laughs> say you're like Bob Schieffer, right? Who, yeah. Who's a terrific gentleman, uh, you know, legendary broadcaster in CBS who loves country music, mm -hmm. who loves to sing. I think he even plays a little harmonica or something like that. If he were to show you that side of him on these social media platforms, and maybe he does, um, that's him. Yeah, and, and even if you laugh at it and think, "Oh, this is kind of silly," it doesn't matter. That's that's what he loves to do, and so it's authentic. It's real, and and it amplifies your on-brand message as well because they're like, "That's my news guy. I trust him." By the way, honey, did you know he really loves Waylon Jennings? <laughs> right. right. So so that and now that's there's this whole holistic overview where you're constantly I hate using the B word brand, but you're constantly enhancing your brand with this one on one engagement. And it can only suffice to augment your actual on brand message that you're targeting. And it applies to all of us. Right. It's not just famous people. Yeah. We all now rebrand ourselves on social media. Yes. Our, our Facebook lives don't necessarily reflect our real day-to-day -day lives. You know, we, we spend time taking just that right selfie or, you know, group photo. Absolutely. And we're we, curated. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we, we think about, you know, what, what we're going to post, the image we want others to have of us. Yeah. So, you know, we've all kind of crafted a persona and these these platforms have given us that opportunity. My teenage girls, um, you know, through through amazing apps that are available to them, they make these incredible videos of, of their of just things that they TikTok. do. Yeah, you know, they 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 just show me this like incredible stuff that they'll put together that um, you know when I was a kid didn't exist. And I, I like to joke around saying that most teenagers are the stars of their own lives right now yeah you know? and the stars of their friends lives why why would i oh god now we're in there now we're in a dark <laughs> we're situation because well yeah because now we're like why would i uh why would i watch television when i could watch my friends who are more in, uh, in entertaining more authentic and speak to me now to circle back why would I listen to XYZ politician when I've got this one who speaks like me, thinks like me, talks like me, and talks directly to me? But let's go on the other side of the coin. Uh, now we've got social media literally setting foreign policy. What you don't have to get into opinions, but maybe ramifications of that uh, as as a social media professional who's been in the trenches for years. Uh, what, what's that mean for the future? Uh, does will people be like, uh, <laughs> LOL, going to war, France? Yeah, well, look, um, news organizations, including the AP, had to make a determination at some point when the president tweets how how much attention is that 
you know to be given right you know how how much weight uh is assigned to it and i think ultimately all news organizations decided it can't be ignored it can't be laughed off and you can't think of it as not um something that represents the way the president thinks so even eventually whether it was uh sean spicer or eventually sarah huckabee sanders um, they were always asked that question for for a long time early on. You know, should we? How how seriously should we be? Taking Listen the to what the president right. says. Listen to what the president says because that's what they say. They go, no, no, no that's him. Yeah. If he said that, that's him. Right. Refer back to that. Of course, it lets them off easy because they don't have to answer any questions because they just go read the scoreboard. Right. But but they gave they gave news organizations no choice but to say, okay, then. That's what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to monitor uh, these tweets, and um, and you know some of them have been curious, um, uh, like Kofefe and things like that, <laughs> right? Um, but a, a lot of them. Here's an interesting thing, and and this is on the record. This is not my opinion or anything like that. But you have photographers who say that this administration actually has given them more access than any previous administration ever. Right. Right. Uh, in terms of uh, photographing the president, being in the presence of, of day-to-day things. Um, well, in a way, Twitter is like an extension of that. Yes. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, Donald Trump is sharing with his base. He's sharing with everyone, but really, most likely, it's directed at his base, which is, which is just the way it is. He's sharing with those people on a daily basis where he's at what he thinks what he stands for what he believes and um you know one can argue it's a maybe in some people's been too much of shooting from the hip but um i think his base would prefer that that's the person they get as opposed to what we've been describing earlier someone who's suddenly handled and and suddenly is cautionary on on what he's sharing with you so look it's worked So I think when people were saying, well, surely once he becomes president, he's going to curtail this a bit or he's going to change the way he does this. It probably in his mind, he thought, wait a minute, this is this is a significant part of what got me here. Yeah. So why am I going to change it? Why not amplify? Why not amplify it and head right into 2020 using it just as strong? Yeah. And I think that's what's happening at the moment. I actually got in an argument with a friend the other day. Uh, the president tweeted something along the lines, I have been the most transparent presidency ever. And they're like, no, all he does is obfuscate and lies. I'm like, well, that's maybe what his administration does. But no, he's pretty much been the most transparent president ever. You want to know what he's thinking? You got you got exactly what he's thinking, literally on a minute-by-minute basis. If that's not transparency... I don't know what is. Now, I'm not going to make a judgment call on if that's healthy for a democracy or not, but when people deride him for being not transparent, oh, the circle around him is doing things. But he is, and also in his mind, the most transparent president ever. And I I, I think that... Oh, I don't know what that says for the future, though, but you're, you've are you been touching on all the points that you have to play this game, and I guess maybe as the... As the old guard sort of uh, fades into the past, I think this is this is what we're going to see for the next foreseeable future until the next platform comes up. Right, and that's the thing. This is a moment in time. That's what people forget. You know, everything comes and goes. So Twitter, okay, it's been around for ten years. It's so far had a, had a really good run. But as we know, there are moments in time when people thought Twitter was going to go out of business. So. Um, it's, it's the thing at the moment. And we all remember MySpace and remember some of the other yep, yep. platforms. Facebook's having a lot of its own problems yep. because as it gets bigger, it has more challenges. Um, you know, it could all go the way of the Sears Roebuck catalog. Yeah, right? I mean, it was there was like, a, I think, there were, I, I don't know if there's a scandal per se, but the telephone was invented in 1776 and I think it took till 1911 to get one in the White House. You know, 1776, Thomas Jefferson was like, we hold these truths to be. Hold yeah, on, Dolores. Hold, hold, hold on, Abigail. For the record, I just corrected uh, Austin. Rogers <laughs> on a historical that was a point. that was a slip of the tongue. But it, it took it took several decades for the telephone to get into the White House, you know, so it took a short course of time for the White House, and we're just using the White House as an analog uh, for the White House to grasp Twitter. So 
I think the time's compressing, so the next White House, whomever it may be, better get TikTok really fast because it'll go the way of Vine, and then they'll have to get the next one and the next one and the next one because how else do you maintain your audience? How else do you maintain the voice to the people who got you the job? And the thing is, um, you have politicians who are now all asking themselves, well, if I use Twitter, should I be using it the way Donald Trump does? Meaning, do I be as, if I feel brash about Mm -hmm. a particular topic, Mm -hmm. should I just go ahead and do so? Because it seemed to work for him. Right. So should I do that? And of course, I get asked that all the time. Yeah. You know, and and of course, my advice is I want to be no. No. Not if that's not you. No. If if, If that's not Joe Biden, then that's not what he should be yeah. doing, right? And there, and and everyone jumps on Twitter fails immediately, including Donald Trump. Including Donald Trump, you know, particularly when it comes to retweeting, yeah, which is always a very dangerous thing. If yes. you don't really know the source, yeah, hundred percent, really. Uh, um, it, it's uh, well because you just do it automatically. You right. go, I like this tweet, boom, and it turns out that that guy is something or something. I don't know exactly. what the something is, but it's not good. It's real easy, and the danger there for someone like President Trump is unless that's been vetted, which of course, you know, my advice to him would be quickly ask your people to check this source out before you retweet it. Um, you can get yourself in, in a lot of trouble because you don't necessarily know who that person or that organization is actually. Uh, aligned with so that that has gotten him in a, in a little bit of trouble and also back to the authenticity thing um, you know as a New Yorker from the suburbs you know Donald Trump to the rest of the country is sort of a relatively recent phenomena let's say 1999 or so right I remember Donald Trump headlines some of my this is not exaggerating. Some of my earliest memories are remembering pictures of Donald Trump on the cover of the Post or the Daily News, and I remember being a kid and my mom and dad and my brothers. I was probably four. My brothers are probably like two and a baby, walking into Trump Tower to see the gold waterfalls and all, and being like, "Wow, well, my, look at this!" My earliest memory of thinking about Donald Trump in that same vein was when he went toe-to-toe with Ed Koch about the the ice rink in Central Park. Yes, and he ended up just buying it anyway, right? Well, he, or he, donating it. He paid it. to have it fixed. Yes. Because that was a big thing, was that nobody could use the ice rink. And so he, you know, like a hero, came in, paid to have it, and it was done in like like record time. Yeah. And up until then, they were told it would take years to get it done. I think he got it done in less than a year or yeah. something like that. Yeah, Wolman rink, right? feel free to fact check me. Yeah. Right? But it was really quick by comparison. And, of course, it made him look like this terrific New Yorker yeah. who cared about the people and all that. So that was my earliest memory of him and of course over the years he would make appearances on i think shows like hee-haw and (laughs) yeah things like that or or even on sesame street or or things like he would pop up he was in uh home home alone home alone two home alone two yeah so he would make these appearances and and he was always kind of present yep and he was always kind of a celebrity but one thing is for sure everything we're talking about shows that he has always known how to leverage the media Yes. To his advantage. So the Home Alone 2 thing was uh, they wanted to film in the plaza. At that point in time, he owned the plaza. And he goes, sure, you could film if I get a cameo. And they go, that's all we have to pay for the uh, for the uh, location fee? Done. Right. There you go. Yeah. So when I, I'm convinced that when I was describing Twitter to him and Facebook, you know, people say, oh, do you think he got it? You know, people ask me. I say, oh, he oh, yeah, absolutely he got it. Got yeah. It. He recognized Immediately, you know, that seven minutes turned into more like 15 and 20 minutes. It wasn't, okay, kid, thanks, you know. And, yeah. and of course, I'm not a kid. I'm not a millennial <laughs> or anything, anything close to it at this point. But, um, and wasn't even then. But, um, but he definitely, when I started to explain to him how it could be used and the fact that it could directly talk to people without the press, he saw the value in that. Right, well, because he's got a long track record of talking to the press through less than uh, genuine sources, meaning himself as a pseudonym, right? Well, there goes the middleman. There goes the middleman. He would have to call up the Daily News and be like, I got some juicy gossip on Donald Trump. Is this Donald Trump? No, it's Schmonald Schmump. 
Donald Trump's best friend. Now he doesn't need that. He doesn't need to talk. No wonder he doesn't need to talk or, or, or hashtags fake news all the time. He literally has no need to ever talk to a reporter ever again. Oh, my God. I just said that. That is absolutely <laughs> devastating for the Republic of the United States of America. Uh, by the way, Senator, before we went into this, I'm like, Peter, we're not going to get political. Yeah, I'm not getting political, but still. Uh, one of the things I thought about on the authenticity thing was. Well, listen, and, I'm sorry. You can get as political as you want. Ah, right. I can't. Well, I'm not. I'm not supposed to either. Okay, okay, I'm not supposed saying, to either. <laughs> I'm just saying that. Um, I don't want to alienate people. Also, I'm just saying that what we're talking about here is we're talking we're, mechanics. We're talking yes. about mechanics, and exactly. we're talking about um, if you're looking at how effective this was for Donald Trump in terms of. And listen, it was just as effective before he decided to run to pres for president. It was just as effective promoting the Celebrity Apprentice yeah. back then. So uh, it was always a powerful tool for him. He just, you know, once he decided he was definitely going to run, he and his team realized we're going to continue using that and, and we're going to ramp it up in a way that's never been done before. I mean, it's a natural extension of his proclivity towards a megaphone personality in the first place and now it's the largest megaphone you know uh more, rather than shouting it from the front page or page six of the post or front page of the daily news is now shouting it to i don't even know what the count is up to right now and and you know one of the reasons why you and i are talking today is because you know we were talking earlier about the fact that jack dorsey was invited by the president yes to explain to mr trump why he was seemingly losing followers and he was under the impression that twitter was purposely removing followers from from his list and you know jack dorsey explained to him that there are these bots right that do automatically follow there there are other things too there are you know there are there are, there are call girls or whatever you want, prostitutes or whatever. Right. You know, there are all these these things that that try that like spam. If you think of it as a version of spam, that are are automatically trying to follow you. Uh, Twitter strips those people away over time. It may not be right away, but I see, I get things like that all the time, and I'm confident that Twitter is going to eventually identify it and they'll just remove it. I don't have to go through the process of going to my account and removing all these things that I know I don't want following me. Uh, and that's what's happening there. And so, you know, Jack Dorsey explained that to him. I don't really know how satisfying of an answer that was for the Trump team, but that is, in fact, what's happening. So it's, it's, it's interesting, though, that he, at this moment in time, is still so concerned about the performance of his Twitter account that he would invite the president of Twitter to the Oval Office to discuss it. Yeah, I mean, that is, he's always fixated on that kind of the persona and how many people are reading my book and how many people go to my casino and how many people uh, watch my show and why wasn't I loved for the rink and blah, 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 blah. Um, let's wrap this up. Well, there were a lot of people that did love him for the rest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. And, and, and a lot of people who walked down fifth Avenue and admired that big glass tower right next to St. Patrick's, you know, it was when I, when was it built 84 or something like that? So I was probably like five or six years old. I remember that. That was front page New York news. It's like Donald Trump upending stodgy fifth Avenue. What a great headline that is, you know, big, glass black glass tower clad in gold next to tiffany's boring yawning tiffany's right um it, let's wrap this up because i know your time is valuable uh on back to jack dorsey and this might be subject for a later conversation or maybe with someone else uh if you're not comfortable with it but when a public persona tweets something that would get something dangerous that would get a regular person summarily executed from Twitter, just booted off immediately, but it's a public persona and they don't get booted or they don't get suspended. Oh, what's your opinion on the social media company's responsibility for that? Well, I, I think it's been demonstrated that they claim that they're very concerned about that issue. Um, but I think it's like anything else. A lot of times these issues don't come to the forefront until regular people point it out to them. Right. right? They're usually a little late to 
cleaning up their own house. Um, and, uh, you know, it's debatable that a lot of the tweets that Donald Trump has done, if they were done by you and me, whether or not they would have been okayed. Right. right. That's that's still, that's that's the question that's I'm getting very at. debatable. Yeah. Um, and and I think a lot of people feel that tw- the team at Twitter has probably been much more lenient because he is the president of the United States. And I think the way they're probably viewing it, of course, I don't know. But I th- if I were to th- try and think like them, I would imagine that they are thinking that this is documenting the thoughts and the actions of the president. And so um, even things that maybe could be interpreted uh, by the other side as unacceptable, they probably feel like, unless it's totally outlandish outlandish and crazy, they probably feel like, well, it's revealing for the public what this president is thinking and and positions he's taking. And and so I think that they're allowing it a, a, a bit more than they would the average person. Got it. I'm, I'm not giving an opinion as to whether no, it's no, good no, or bad. No, 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 no. I had never I, taken that thought before. But I think that's that's why we've seen things that you go, huh, um, you know, that's, that seems a little different. Um, and, and when they've been challenged, They'll come back with the corporate speak and say, we've reviewed this and we feel like blah, 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 blah. It's, yeah. it's within the constraints of, of whatever of their rules. whatever their nebulous right. rules are. Yeah. But um, as I, I as I think people should take heed is that um, you may be a fan of Donald Trump. That doesn't mean that you should necessarily act like he does because you're not Donald Trump. So, you know, uh, you be yourself. Just like he's being himself, you know, be, be yourself. Don't don't think that uh, that, you know, t- Twitter is necessarily a megaphone for thoughts that you have that deep down inside, if you know, going to cause problems. If you're going to tweet them, most likely Twitter is going to identify them and take them down. Yeah. And I think those are some pretty good words of advice. Be yourself. Unless you're a total dickhead, <laughs> then stop saying your thoughts out loud because you probably know that they're terrible thoughts in the first place. Yeah. If you have to take pause, be like, well, people get angry at this. Maybe you should not do it. You know, <laughs> now getting angry is different than like inflaming things. But it will people get like angry about this. Eh, maybe we shouldn't do it. Uh, any parting thoughts, Peter, on uh, on the presidential juggernaut that you've created? Well, look, I inadvertently, just, I, I will just say, because I get asked this all the time, um, you know, do I feel a certain level of responsibility, which is which is an interesting question, because as you might imagine, particularly people who do not like Donald Trump, I hear from those people quite a bit through Twitter. And I've appeared in a number of documentaries and of, on other podcasts talking about this. And, um, you know, I usually get people who are angry and they say, how could you have done this? You know, don't, how can you sleep at night and things like that? And again, the reason why I'm talking to you is because I, I think it's helpful for people to understand how this came to be, Yep. what the original intent of it was, when my role happened, when it ended, which was basically all of the year 2009. And I departed in early 2010. So that was quite some time ago. Yep. Right. Um, but I will say that from a marketing standpoint, because uh, I'm now someone who produces books for the Associated Press, and I've been kind of more of a book producer over the last few years. But for many, many years, I was an online marketing person since the dawn of the Internet, since literally 1995, 96. I've been involved in promoting stuff online. And so in that regard, um, I... I recognize that um, for me, it that was my role, that was my job, and I I take a certain level of pride that um, that I identified that early on. Yep, as a very effective way for not just Donald Trump but anybody. I you know I represented a lot of authors at the time. I I've also in the past helped other celebrities you know with their social media accounts over the years. Um, Yep. Yep. I mean, uh, 
Hiram Maxim invented the machine gun to make war so terrifying that it would never be fought again. Little did he know when did he invent that, 1884 or something like that. World War One was right around the corner. He didn't know it. Right. No one knew it. Uh, but he also made himself rich in the process. <laughs> so I hope you got a nice pretty penny of the uh, the Trump Twitter royalties. Uh, no, 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 <laughs> Just, you know what? Let's follow the president's lead. You did. Absolutely you did. And it was the hugest payday you've ever gotten. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Peter Costanzo. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this and this insight into basically what's happening right now. Uh, thank you, Peter. Thank you, Austin. This has been great. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.